Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the 21st Century Underground Podcast. Uh, this week, with the Oscars coming up on Sunday, we will be discussing uh, some controversy surrounding the Oscars. As you notice, we have a genuine female here in the studio with us. No. And it's because uh, not a single female director out of all the great female-directed films that came out this year uh, was nominated for an Oscar. They were all snubbed. So if you'd like to introduce yourself to the audience. Hi, I'm Danielle. I am a writer. I'm not a director in any way, shape, or form. But I am a woman, so... I have that going for me. We, yeah, we really, we did not want this. To, we pitched this episode like a week or two ago. And we didn't want it to be like mansplaining the episode. Like we were thinking like, you know, it's like there were a lot of uh, female Oscar snubs uh, this year. We should just get on there and tell people about it and, and, and tell them that we know, you know what I mean? And so it's like, we didn't want to do that. So uh, three men in a, in a garage. Yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. So Mike suggested Valiant that he would, he would bring his, uh, his, his partner on and she would uh, help us discuss, navigate these waters as uh, three dudes who really don't know what they're talking about. And uh, here I am. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. here I am. That is the genesis of that. But for those who don't know, what exactly is going on with the Oscars? I'm sorry. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> we were going to introduce ourselves first. I'm sorry. Uh, sitting next to me is, <laughs> is, 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 is whom? So I'm Brandon Salas, uh, filmmaker uh, extraordinaire. Oh, I do know you. I, I'm Salvatore Arnaldo. I am a writer. And this is... Mike Villarreal, also known as Mike Vivace. I'm a producer. Okay, I'm sorry, Brandon. What was that? What was that opinion that you were stating? <laughs> well, I, uh, I I wanted to get, get right into it after we got into the introductions. Uh, what exactly? Uh, what is the controversy going around the Oscars for those who don't know? Um, well, uh, there were a lot of female uh, films that got directed that were very very good, and so they've all been. Uh, uh, not a single one of them was uh, nominated. We've yeah, had. Yeah, 2019 uh, was a really yeah, strong yeah. year. Yeah, and, and it's a lot of, and the interesting thing about it too, it's a lot of uh, films that seem to be grandfathered in that, according to some, may not have been uh, as good candidates for the nominations because, like, The Irishman, I saw it, was good. I didn't think it was Scorsese's best. Mm. That was nominated, you know, three and a half hour long movie, uh, you know, which doesn't really say anything about the quality, but, like, you know, a little, little, little uneven for some of his, you know, for his work. Like, he's definitely got better movies. Uh, Quentin Tarantino, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm. People were really divided on that one, but he's also sort of like this, you know, master director who's been making movies for years. Who's yeah, kind of he yeah. should be nominated. So yeah, he's established. Like, yeah, it's like the yeah, it's like the vote. It's like you've been you've earned it. You know what mm. I mean? You've been doing this long enough. We'll we'll kick it to you. Not did you earn it this year necessarily? Yeah. So there's been a lot of that, and then like not a single female director out of all the great movies that have come out this year. So we were thinking we would talk about just female created art in general yeah uh, from 2019 kind of just talk about yeah. all the ones that we've that stood out to us this year mm -hmm. some of it's gonna be movies some yeah. it's gonna be music it's just gonna be all over the place so yeah yeah um and female, then female appreciation yeah yeah and then every the female, time <laughs> female appreciation episode <laughs> make it less creepy <laughs> i think the word female already kind of starts yes creeping it us really out. does especially it just does. given that there are three guys just yeah. like the, you know the female appreciation yeah. noise. I just slowly yeah. scream, like creep out of the screen yeah, like, no, right. I can't know just three men you know just looking to just solve the problems that just, exist in women's issues we're just you know? trying to appreciate they, the ladies just, just, just humbly you know <laughs> throwing our hats into the ring every time a woman speaks you guys are like no 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 we've got the answer yeah right yeah yeah oh no no actually I know way more about this subject let me just speak on it yeah I don't I, really need advice no 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 you do you do yeah, you one, got of, this. one of my coworkers, and I, I get it too because I've heard the conversations. She was like losing it last night when we were closing because there was just somebody uh, like a regular at the uh, the bar who, when they get into a conversation, uh, she, if it's a subject that she knows more than this person about, 
Like, it, it doesn't matter. Like, they'll always start, like, speaking over her and going. And she was just, like, losing it after clothes. It's like, if I ever see him socially, like, I'm going to fucking <laughs> rip him apart with my words. <laughs> I was just like, damn. Every so. woman knows at least five people like mm-hmm. that in their lives. I'm, I'm not joking. Yeah. Especially if you work customer service. That is, oh, like, yeah, for sure. 90, especially at older men, almost oh. always do that. They just, like, walk in there like, hey, sweet tits. And you're just like, oh, God. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so let's get into the, the episode. Uh, I guess, uh, Brandon, do you want to? Yeah. Okay. So I recently watched um, The Hustlers. Is it The Hustlers? Or is it just it's Hustlers? Hustlers? It's Hustlers. Okay, just Hustlers. Sorry. Starring J-Lo. Yeah, starring J-Lo, who was probably the weakest part of that movie. I'm going to just start off. I'm going to be honest with you. That's why I didn't watch it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to start off right at the bat. That is probably the weakest part of the movie for anytime me. Anytime I've ever seen her act, uh, Anaconda Onward, probably not the best example, but just like every time I've ever seen her in a movie, I'm just like, she's not convincing yeah, to no, me on any level. Just, like I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I was very surprised. I mean, I wasn't... The movie wasn't actually at all what I was expecting. I was expecting more a little bit more of a comedy angle. And it was actually much more serious. It was a, a movie I was actually interested in because I actually am working on a long-term project that I am, that deals with sex work and, well, specifically more human trafficking. So, I don't know, I just seeing a movie being made like that, doing actually fairly well, I wanted to check it out and see what kind of angle that was going about. And I was actually surprised. I felt like it did a really good job of going in that angle and talking about sex work. Um, not that they were having sex, but just that, that um, lifestyle of stripping and everything like that. And uh, it was surprisingly good. It was um, a, more of a character study. That's the angle they went about. They kind of they didn't try to tr- go along the ride of, oh, man, when is everything going to go wrong? They, they, at the beginning, they're straight up like, things are going to go wrong. It's like um, it's, she's um, the main character. Uh, what's her name? Ugh. The main girl, She uh, basically, she's telling a reporter uh, play-by-play of the events that happened as, when, from when she met J-Lo and how things escalated into doing all these um, high-level crimes of stealing credit cards from these really rich men. And uh, so it tells you from the beginning that it goes wrong, basically. And instead of trying to focus on making you feel that tension of it going up and then having a fall, it just totally focuses on this character study of somewhat why someone would go and do this. Because this is all based off of true events that happened. These were real people. And I mean, it was all a response to the market crash that happened in 2008. So instantly, everything was doing really well. They're making ba- uh, like amazing do- money without doing any kind of scams. Then the market crashes. <laughs> the heavily affected Wall Street, and thus it directly um, affected the uh, New York uh, strippers a lot. Well, I mean, you know, it, yeah, that's the thing that a lot of people forget is during the Obama administration. I mean, it happened under Bush, but then like Obama came into office and mm. just basically just wrote blank checks for any amount of money <laughs> to Wall Street, you know what mm. I mean, for the bailouts, and it's like, ugh. I think that what a know? lot of people don't realize about um, Hustlers, it, with it shining a light on that, is that wasn't just happening for sex workers in New York, it was everywhere, because I actually worked as a makeup artist at the time of the crash. Um, and one of the places that I worked at was a strip club um, here at Christie's. Uh, Christie's, Christie's Cabaret. Cabaret uh, here in Phoenix. And uh, let me tell you, those girls were... They went from making some serious money, and we had women who were lawyers. I mean, they made they used to be making bank. They were well-educated women, and then the economy crashed, and suddenly they're like, I don't know what to do. They had stripped their way through college, and they're like, this is my only option now. And oh. so they went back into stripping because they had to pay for their kids, for their money. I mean, most of the women who stripped there were mothers. Mm-hmm. Um, they had children to take care of. They had bills that they had to take care of, and they were a lot of times women who actually had like a, a real good financial path before the economy crashed mm-hmm. 
And then on top of that, you had all these men who they had the economy crash on them too. So now they're not paying to go to strip clubs. So you have all of these women who are struggling to make ends meet in any career they make, but especially in sex work now because people just aren't, they're not going to sex workers. They can't really afford it. It was one of the those areas that got hit really mm-hmm. hard by the recession that nobody really talked about. Nobody, nobody brought it up. But I mean, I was watching these women and they would make like $50 a night and they were like, well, you know, I've got three kids to feed. I'm going to try to make this work for dinner tonight. And it was just so depressing because wow. you were like, you were a lawyer, man. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I actually didn't even know that was an element of the movie. I didn't yeah. realize that it took place around. That's really interesting. No, it's really cool. I yeah. didn't know that because it was instantly like 2008. And I was like, huh, why is that? Yeah. They were still driving their BMW, too. Because I remember I dropped you off and it picked you up from work. Yeah. Then yeah. <laughs> I just saw him coming out of BMW still. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, wow. Mike's a mechanic. I noticed what car you drive. Yeah. I mean, I will never forget one night I got called in to do makeup and everybody was like freaking out. And I was like, why is everybody freaking out? And they're like, oh, uh, all of the basketball players are actually coming into Christie's tonight. And I was wow. like, oh, the Suns oh, are coming Suns. out. And so it, everyone was just like, we're going to make so much money. And this one girl, I'll never forget. She got like super wasted because she was so nervous. And then she came back and she was like a 45 year old woman I shouldn't say girl she was a 45 year old woman she was sobbing in the back and I was like what happened and she's like he just gave me a 20 that was it and I was just like what I'm <laughs> so sorry so anyways that's funny you say that that actually happens in the movie where uh, I can't, God, who was it is it is it Chris Brown no it's not Chris Brown it's uh, um, what, some, is, what does he do he's a hip hop artist oh hip hop artist okay uh, but he comes in and that, that's, that's exactly what happens we're gonna make money and everything they all run in there and it's, it's, good, it's supposed to be good times uh but yeah I, I thought that was a really cool element i wasn't expecting it at all it was much more of a character study of why someone would go a um go into this um this um, job and this workspace and do this lifestyle and then she ends up leaving it briefly after the, the uh, um the market crash tries to do other stuff fails at doing other stuff is getting more and more broke and does have a child to support and she's like well screw it i'm gonna go back into that Runs back into J Lo, and J Lo's like, "Oh man, we're doing bigger things now." Oh, J Lo's like her Tyler Durden type character. One of the flaws <laughs> in the movie, besides J Lo, um, the whole time she's painting J Lo as a bad person, but that's supposed to be a part of her, like the crux and the character development of her is by the end kind of forgiving J Lo. But it's really hard to find the bad in J-Lo t- towards her. She doesn't really ever di- like directly treat her bad. It's kind of like a... I feel like that was a weaker She never like, sells her down the river? Or, no, not really. Yeah, anything like that? Like yeah. She like becomes friends with another person, and she gets jealous of that friendship, but like she doesn't ever do anything bad towards her. So it's like... A, I don't know. I thought that was kind of a weaker plot. Yeah. Nonetheless... It's one of those things where you'd like, expect her to like, pin a crime on her by the end. Or yeah, yeah. Right. Like yeah. yeah. I was yeah. surprised by the whole thing. Uh, it's just... I like that what it focused on instead. It was a good little character development story. All the acting was pretty good with, again, the exception... I, every, every time she was in a scene, I just felt like... <laughs> I just... My problem with J-Lo is like every time she's acting in a movie, I feel like I see her... Like I can see her consciously trying to act. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's never mm. totally yeah. convincing. Yeah. Like it's like mm. she's like, all right, I'm gonna be this now. You mm. know what I mean? It just never really feels right. No. But uh, with the exception of that, I thought all the acting was really well. And I, uh, there's actually some really good cinematography moments. The first time they we actually see the, which is pretty early on. It's like one of the first shots. We see the, uh, um, the floor. I guess you should say the the stage and everything like that. The way they kind of introduce that. And it's like a one shot that goes all the way through. That's cool. It was just it was a 
perfect way to give the perspective of a stripper's um like look on when going on when going on the stage and coming off the stage and looking for someone to like give a lap dance. I don't know, just the way it was done. It was just really I thought it was really well done. I was instantly engaged and thought it was really good. That all being said, I think I heard that scene because you guys were watching it. You oh, yeah. it from Redbox, and I was like trying to sleep in my room. And I do recall like a, an unbroken scene of all sorts of like people talking mm. and like just like the way that the audio was done in the scene. I actually got like the sense that maybe it was like a big introductory kind mm-hmm. of thing. So that's kind of cool. It was cool, and um, but you could hear it without seeing it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, with all that being said, would I necessarily say that? I wouldn't necessarily say it was. I feel like if anything, if I was if I was to be a part of the Oscars and say what was not what he'd be nominated for, maybe like an original script. Um, I think that'd be cool. But as far as anything else, or actually, I think it's adapted scripts. Adapted scripts. Uh, it's like based off of, it's based off a, a book. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily say it was exceptional in every one area. I just thought overall it was surprisingly better than I was expecting. I thought there was a lot of really great elements, and maybe maybe. Maybe if J Lo wasn't there, it would have been Oscar worthy. <laughs> they just gotten a better actor. I mean, there. <laughs> so no, I, I saw I saw one of those in conversation things with her and Robert Pattinson, and it just felt oh. so disproportionate. Oh, it was so weird. Yeah, because he's like that was just so, so yeah, like they're so uh, just, yeah, yeah. It was it was very odd. Yeah. I could I didn't watch the whole thing, but just the piece that can't. I saw. You can like, I don't know what? if anybody could actually watch it to yeah. the end because it it might have been the most like she was trying like there was just something about her where it just kind of felt and I hate to say this word but like she just kind of felt kind of schmarmy and he was like just he's always really awkward but mm-hmm. like that the awkward auntie was so high. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, she was like hitting on him and stuff. Oh, and, like, it was weird so kinda, weird. Yeah, and he I do, was like, I remember that now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and he was kind yeah. of like <laughs> trying to flirt back, I think, but like in a really polite way. But like it, it was just it's just like oh, oh, oh no, th- no, thank you. Like, uh. yeah, it was one of those things where, like, I couldn't tell. I was like, is there such a, like, British politeness? Like, yeah. I don't know what is happening right now. Part of it was, like, you can't watch it any longer because it's a train wreck, but you can't look away because it's a train wreck. It was. I did watch it longer than I intended to, for sure. Yeah, I didn't see the whole thing. <laughs> I just, just want to like, know who so was, weird. like, these two actors. This makes yeah. a good pairing for a couple. Who, I, just, I just felt like there was, like, Robert Pattinson, he just seems so sort of, like, analytical and kind of, yeah. like, self-reflective. And she was just like, you know, I want to play someone powerful. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? That was kind of it. And it was like, okay, can you elaborate on that <laughs> you, you could know? just you could just see him like reeling inside the entire time and yeah. it was the most anxiety driven conversation yeah. that i have seen in a while i was just like oh lord yeah yeah that was too bad <laughs> yeah i think we should maybe jump to someone else i won't so that way we can keep some variety oh yeah sure sure yeah did you want to yeah, sure. And I can get something, some other genre in the mix here because I know you want to do different medium. Yeah. So uh, the big person that really stood out to me was actually Natasha Leone. So if you haven't seen Russian Doll, it is a Netflix original uh, TV series, basically. And I adore it. I adore everything about it. Natasha Leone is the main actress for it. She She's the main character, but she is also one of the screenwriters. She directed a couple of the episodes. Um, she was really the, the creator piece. You might know her from uh, earlier pieces. This uh, Slums of Beverly Hills is actually the the main mm. thing that I think a mm. lot of people know her from from when she was a teenager. Natasha Leone is, is amazing. I could talk about her for hours and hours. Um, the whole... The whole show, though, Russian Doll is just, it's a wonderful piece. Um, the screenwriters, there are three of them, and I'm forgetting one of them, I'm so sorry, but Amy Poehler is one of the other screenwriters. Mm. Oh, cool. Um, and it's a really dark comedy, almost, in a sense. The concept of it is almost a Groundhog's Day, where she just dies and wakes up repeatedly, and she's like, she has to start the whole day over and over again, and it starts oh, yeah, restarts on her birthday, 
and she has to go through this whole party and then things start getting weird suddenly people start disappearing everything starts changing and I, I won't give it away if you haven't seen it because you really do need to watch it um I kind of like that yeah it's it it has kind of elements of everything it's a, a really dark humor it's got this really like amazing New York element to it. I mean, she's just so in your face as a character. She just doesn't care. She represents this really strong woman who's just like, you know what? Screw it. But then it's also about her trying to find how to forgive herself, how to love herself, um, how to love other people. And it's trying to deal with trauma and death and all of these thematic concepts throughout this one season. And it's just this beautiful epic journey that the screenwriting might be I'm a, I'm a very picky person when it comes to to movies and shows and screenwriting. I feel like there's almost always some sort of plot hole with it. And this one just so art is so artfully developed and it, it blends so many elements in it. But the main thing that I, I always take away is Natasha Lyonne as an actress. It feels so real. I have never seen somebody who just embodies this like strong New York smoking woman who just seems like she's going to flip you off and shove it up your ass at any moment. And mm. it's it's just so perfectly done. It really is like you feel like you're a part of her actual journey of growth with it. And I started watching it just because I thought, you know, this is going to be really interesting. This is going to be Groundhog's Day. I had no expectations for it whatsoever. But the more I watched it, the more enthralled I was by the storytelling. It was completely different from what I expected. I kind of thought it was going to be, you know, a little kitschy, a little dumb. Um, and it's it's it takes you to deeper, darker places than you realized it would. And it also takes you to happier places than you realized it would. And, and I can't say too much without giving away the whole concept of the show. Um, but... Just watching Natasha Leona, the way how she moves the script, the way how she commands the the stage in a sense, it makes for a really good character study. It really makes for a good show on on why stories about strong women need to be told, you know, because I feel like as a woman, usually when I watch something about girls, it tends to be kind of wishy-washy. It almost feels like they're not fully dynamic characters, fully dynamic people. And she is this wonderfully dynamic person they could have just said you're gonna be a hard bitch and that's all you're gonna be mm. oh and, yeah yeah you know sure. yeah. it's it's like you you see a lot of those women where it's just like she's just a bitch like there's mm. there's yeah, no right? yeah. there's no they're a very um static character mm-hmm. there's no there's no growth to them there's no there's no like cause and effect yeah like, there's no past yeah. it's just sort of like this is who i am right exactly and no <laughs> you hollywood get... wants to sell this to people right now you right know? right yeah. and it's like i don't know what it is that they think they're like either she's gonna be this like mother Teresa type or she's just gonna be a bitch or she's just gonna be like the sex stand-in piece who has absolutely no background character whatsoever Mm. Um, and I think because this was written by three women and directed only by women um, and created with women I think it gives this beautiful dynamic to this character where you really watch her grow and change and, and struggle with that change it's not just this like oh Suddenly I understand why I need to forgive myself and why I'm going through and reliving death over and over again. No, there's this like real struggle that she has with it where she's like, no, I'm not happy with myself. I'm not happy with life. You know, how could I forgive myself? And and just the struggle that she deals with that anger that lives inside of her, because I feel like that's something that we also don't see in women and female characters is rage in women is usually not something we find societally acceptable. Even if we talk about it as women, you know, or joke about it, there's certain things where you can get away with it as an older female character. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And she is. She's, you know, um, I want to say in her like late 30s is the character. And 
there's not really a female taxi driver that springs to mind immediately. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like monster, maybe. Mm. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Whenever there's <laughs> yeah. like a female character with rage, that's all she is. Mm. She's just this like, she's like the fairy tale wicked stepmother. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to really know about her. We're just like, oh, she's terrible. That's not what women should be. And so I really love feeling this like sense of rage because women have a lot of rage. I don't know if you know that, but what? I know, right? <laughs> we were making this episode and we were like, we, we didn't know anything about that. I know, I know. Nobody ever knows. It. No, but there's I, there's a lot of internalized rage though that I think a lot of women don't genuinely deal with until they get older. And so it's it's kind of like... Um, is this not allowed to come out because you're too busy? Like, I mean, is that kind of like a part of it? Is it? We're like, all just taking notes. No, no. I mean, really? is it? No, I mean, like, yeah. do you think a part of that is it's like considered unattractive as a younger yes. woman, and then one hundred percent, I think builds up and builds up. Okay, so here's the thing. Like, I, I'm married to Mike, right? A lot. I can't tell you how many times people and have jokingly, and Mike and I joke about it now too. But I can't tell you how many times people have heard me like I, I'm a I'm a crass joker. I cuss a lot, you know, whatever. And so people will hear me and they'll hear my attitude and and they'll hear that and they'll just look at Mike and they'll be like, oh, we know who wears the pants in that relationship, or they'll Jesus. make jokes about how like <laughs> I'm the I'm the dude and and he's the chick, and we joke about it all the yeah. time because we also know I am definitely a woman. And he's definitely a dude. But, you know, people really feel there's like a personality. And I can't tell you how many times. I mean, my nickname as a kid was Danny the Manny, partially because I was very flat chested as a child. But also because they were like, (laughs) (laughs) no, listen, middle schoolers are assholes. Okay, really saying this. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Insecurities early on. I know. Listen, why not? Life's short. Just put it on a front street. People are going to fucking, you know. Right. No, but here's the thing. Like, people would say that because the, the nickname stuck because then they were like she acts like a boy and that's something that women have to deal with constantly and then they hit puberty and they're like I have to act like a good little girl that was actually one of my favorite favorite elements of F is for family not to like bring that back but his little daughter is interested in rockets and computers but he like forces her to go to like Girl Scouts and stuff like that and like he calls her princess no she's like tougher than both of her brothers that (laughs) no that is 100% a real thing my parents Mm. definitely forced me I had to go to the church version of the Girl Scouts which Mm. is far worse worse. yeah yeah, no is there a name for that uh there was the church version of the (laughs) she just said the church version. there was some there was some sort of a name for it I despised it I have no clue what it was but like that's a common trope for so many women like I don't think you understand all of my girls they were like I wanted to be in the Boy Scouts, you know, and it's just like, hmm. it's it's something that you commonly see. And then when women hit their like 30s, though, that's when they can, there's something that happens that shifts where we're like, yeah, you know what? You can do as you please. And that's why you see a lot of those stronger characters are almost always older. Then something happens, you'll notice in female storytelling, once they hit mon- menopause, like post-menopause, suddenly they can talk about sex. Like think about the Golden Girls, right? That is one of my favorite now examples. That they're like neutralized. Right, yeah. Suddenly yeah. they're mm-hmm. like, you know, we don't want to think about them as sexual characters, so suddenly they can become sexual without being sexualized. Yeah, all at the same time, it's a really weird conundrum. I think, I think a problem, a part of that is it's almost like, as younger women talking about sex, it means that they're like more autonomous and less submissive to male partners and yes. more threatening. You know what I yeah. mean? Because there's yeah. like a, this level of competition that comes into play at that point. Yeah, that could be a part of it. Well, I think yeah. there's there's like a secret life of women that I think a lot of people don't really understand or know about until you spend a lot of time with them. And let me tell you, as somebody who's worked in the hair industry, <laughs> women talk about it a lot, <laughs> and they have it a lot. And if you, you're 
partner if, is a woman and she has a hairstylist that she sees often, she knows everything about you. <laughs> Absolutely everything, okay? But, you know, it's funny because those are like, working in the hair industry, you see those secret sides of women. They don't tell anybody else. It's like this tell-all book that gets written with you when they sit in that chair. And then to the rest of the world, they're just these, you know, everything is quiet, everything is demure, but you don't you don't see it for the rest of the world. And I think that's part of the reason why having Natasha Leone as this character who's just like balls to the wall, like, I mean, it starts off with her like having this one night stand with this dude, you mm-hmm. know? So she's automatically like, no, she's a, a person who takes charge of her own sexuality. That wouldn't, that story wouldn't be able to be told and be as accepted as it was if she was in her 20s. Right. It just wouldn't happen. Now that she's older, people are like, ah, she's strong and powerful, but they don't want that in a 20-year-old. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. I, I think that those kind of stories need to be told more often. And the reason why that story was told as well it was was because it was written only by women. They were the creators of it. They were the directors of it. It was an all-female writing, all-female directing, um, all-female creation. So I think that's a big reason why the story to me really stands out because it does feel authentic. I think there's a lot of times, and that's not to say that that isn't always, you know, that men can't write because I don't believe that. You know, Bo Burnham's uh, movie that was eighth grade. Oh, eighth grade is so mm-hmm. it's so beautiful. It's right. great. It's that is good. Oh, it's really good. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Bo Burnham in general. Like yeah. I, I adore him to pieces. I've watched him for years. Um, kind of grew up with him on at that point. You know, from YouTube and and on. Um, and that's I think that was another really beautifully told uh, story. You know, she really deserves the the actress. She's so young and she does it so well. And she's there's that real authentic anxiety that that she feels it as you watch it. But it's just so it's such a well told story. Um, but that's so rare. You don't. Mm-hmm. I, and yeah, I, that's, that's the first gig, too. Yeah, it's it's I don't want to, you know, snub male directors and male screenwriters because there are some that really they tell those women's uh, stories so beautifully and so well. But the honest truth is a lot of people, especially in Hollywood, tend to write static uh, female characters, and not dynamic characters. And I think that's what really stood out mm-hmm. to me this year was mm-hmm. we started to see a lot more um, dynamic female representation, a lot more dynamic female stories. Um, and, and Russian Doll to me was the creme de la creme of that. It, it just... It's so different. So yes. Anyways, uh, that is my tirade on Russian Doll. Watch it. Definitely yeah. watch I mean, it. I, I haven't even heard much about. Um, I I honestly like. I saw yeah. the early advertising for it when it first came out, but it just it looked sort of like I didn't really expect much from it. It's just yeah. going to be kind of a dark comedy yeah, sort of two dimensional Groundhog Day. It, you know what it, I mean? I no, just I like, thought eh. the same thing. Yeah. Every time I saw it, it was just kind of like, oh, it's just this reliving of death, and I was just like, do I really want to watch another Groundhog's mm. Day? But mm. just like you know, a little bit different. Like I I, I didn't want to watch. It's not. It's yeah. not that way at all. It gets it goes to some really dark places. Um, re- like I mean, really dark, and then it mm. goes into these really beautiful places all at the same time. It's the <laughs> whole storyline is very dynamic, very strange. It it takes directions and and, and has twists that you don't see coming i'm very into that yeah because again my my whole fear was it was gonna be like she just sort of learns like a lesson like yeah. a really obvious lesson and then just no. sort of it's over you, you know, know it's and, not one know. of those stories where it really preaches from a pulpit i mean there is definitely that that moral lesson that that moral story that gets told but it's it's not one of those things where it feels like it's being preached hard to mm-hmm. you and it doesn't feel like right. it's being preached hard to her because she draws back a lot you know there's that real whenever we as people go through moments in our life and we're trying to learn something there is that internal conflict conflict of I'm not sure I can really resolve this and right. that internal confliction that she has is so beautifully told it's so mm. beautifully shown um and I do, I feel like that just doesn't happen a lot in in 
stories in general I feel internal conflict isn't often told really well and this one really is it's just so beautifully directed to show that internal conflict as well through the use of her dying over and over again and sometimes in the most um, wonderfully hilarious ways it still keeps the comedy through that internal conflict too I mean her falling over the stairs a million times (laughs) might be one of my favorites like every time she's like I'm gonna get over these damn stairs and then finally her being like you know what screw it I'm gonna take a ladder down and they're like Mm. I feel like that's more dangerous why are you climbing down a ladder it's it's great it's great watch it yeah you have to watch it i will definitely check it out point out real quick that i'm now starting to understand where uh mike is um get some of his articulation from you're very well spoken (laughs) i'm not saying mike is necessarily well spoken but i can see i can see where for me so i i think the only reason i can speak really well uh, or have, a, have even like great of a vocabulary is actually because of Salator. Oh, uh, stop! He's been he's been he's been, <laughs> he's been shoving that shit down my throat for uh, 10, 15 years. I mean, it, that sounds very forceful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's shoving it down yeah. his throat. I'm yeah, just correcting you all the time. I'm like, speak right, <laughs> do it. Yeah, no, but just grammar's by, great. <laughs> by having that friendship and relationship, I've like I've, I've been able to recognize I speak a lot clearer, more um, more articulately, and then even just better um, vernacular and all that, and I can kind of see, kind of see yeah. what's going on. You know, My uh, big words come from her. <laughs> well, I am an English major, so I would be very concerned if I did not uh, articulate myself well, but I also did grow up in a family that uh, we had to debate in order to like get anything like there was no like going up to my father and being like hey I want money for something like I had to give him reasons for it so mm-hmm. they created small lawyers out of all none of us are lawyers <laughs> <laughs> they they did create small lawyers out of us so I, I think it's kind of a fun fact you know I feel like everybody just kind of uh, there was something about and again like I said the advertising it was just so poorly done mm-hmm. and I feel like that happens a lot like I said about like women who are strong characters there's like never any freaking marketing for it ever mm-hmm. and, and but yeah I think if it's good enough word of mouth would and, get out. and I was about true, to yeah. say that's what it was with Russian Doll I had um, same thing with the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel I had so many so people good. who came up to me and they were like you have to watch Marvelous Mrs. Maisel she is yeah. your your comedy she is you she is you you need to watch it and I was just like however it's a very it, uncomfortable thing to be it told really helps uh, when it's on excuse me like Netflix or Amazon or something like that like when it's yeah. streaming because uh, Booksmart had that problem where like uh, it was like good but like it was only in theaters for a limited amount of time and like no yeah. one saw it and ended up doing really poorly even though it got really good reviews yeah so. no the, I mean marketing is definitely uh, it's a big part of, of any art form you know if you oh, just yeah. don't have that if you don't have that out for you if you don't really have somebody who's like actually in that corner being like you need to do this so word of mouth is really important but in the technological day and age how are they getting to it if you can't get to it on technology it's not happening, mm-hmm. and that's like even with, like with hustlers. Uh, that advertising was very much not what I expected from the movie, and maybe the, and of course they probably they probably felt like they couldn't advertise a mm. a, a character development story for surrounding a woman. <laughs> They're yeah. like, yes. who are strippers yeah. who are like easy to marginalize <laughs> yeah. because of like their position oh, in society. Oh, seriously, sex workers mm. in general. I, I mean, remember, that's. I remember seeing the uh, like on Instagram when I would see like an ad for it. Like, click on like click on the comments is always a really bad idea. But uh, I was like looking at the comments. Everyone's like, oh, Cardi B's in a movie about drugging men and all this stuff. Why is <laughs> oh, why are yeah. people why are people against her? Like they're against Bill Cosby. And I'm like, well, I mean, she didn't rape them, so that that helps. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you, know? Just, you know, apples and oranges. Yeah. Apples and oranges. But you know, anytime yeah. there's a. Anytime a woman does anything uh, incorrect, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. not to go too far yeah, into it, like it, a, yeah, it goes deeper and darker than it does with men. Like men, there's always some sort of a, a drawback where people are like, "Oh, well, you know, I mean, he was like, especially with Bill Cosby, people were like, well, it couldn't have, like, he was my hero.' And I get it, I get but it. He made you us know, laugh but, for so many. I mean, that was a big deal. I mean, yeah, that was that, pretty, that was pretty fucked up because like was. with him, he was like the 
first representation of like yes. middle class and upper middle class like black yes no there was yeah. there was so many things and that he's just a monster yeah. you know what i mean but you know it's so important that we we have those kind of but like a woman will like make a small minor mistake and it's like she's out but that's actually yeah. something that we see a lot um i, I think the oscars being snubbed and, and having all these things where women are working hard can bring up a lot of other important parts and a lot of um other important uh things that we have going on in America and in other countries, one of them is the glass cliff. Um, so what a lot of people don't realize is when women do become CEOs, unfortunately, a lot of times the main reason is because of what oh, we call right. the glass cliff. A business will be failing and they'll kick out, you know, the male CEO, the male COO, and they'll put women in charge in the board because they're like, this business is doomed to fail. Oh, wow. So we might as well put a woman in charge so we can say, hey, it was her direction, even though the problem persisted, you know, before her. Right. Mm, really? So suddenly, yeah, no, it will waste their time in life to do that. Yes. No, it is. <laughs> it is a real retarded. thing. So they'll put women on, in charge so that way they can say this failed when a woman was on board. She couldn't steer the ship properly. Say, uh, it is a real thing that happened. It's called the glass cliff. I got to say, I'm a little excited. I, 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 I kind of want to go to Mike's thing just because I think it's a really cool movement. I've started noticing more and more in music. I'll, I'll, I'll let Mike talk about his, but um, my, uh, I got a couple of artists and um, but I, I appreciate Lizzo and uh, Billie Eilish. Uh, when this comes out, yeah, it, w- it was already in the news. Uh, Billie Eilish won four Grammys. Mm-hmm. And she's been getting a lot of feedback, negative feedback, because she was like, I'm not like, oh, I, I, let it be not me. She, is, uh, don't choose me. As She was lipping it when there were the cameras panning on her. when Because she's already won like back-to-back for uh, uh, Grammys in that night, uh, which is uh, Best New Artist. Best album, best uh, record, and best single. I think two of them kind of are similar. It's album really, and record. Yeah. It's a pretty know. killer <laughs> night, though. Yeah. But still, like, uh, no one. She, she's the youngest female to have ever gone four on row like that. Wow. I, I think the youngest. I'm not sure if she's the youngest person, but um, she was. You know, she was afraid. Because of all of the other fans out there mm. that uh, of the people who are getting nominated, um, we're going to jump on her because she's young. She's yeah. a female. You know, she hasn't been in the game for long. And a lot of people don't like her style of music uh, for yeah. multiple reasons to her lyrics. and um, She's I, different. Yeah, yeah, she's just different. She really is yeah. all around different. Yeah. And though, you know, a lot of a lot of people downplay her like, yeah, her yeah. brother is the mastermind of the whole really? thing that's like the, yeah and no that's that's a big thing for a lot of people because yeah. he's the main producer for it yeah, but no, she's wow. the the main lyric writer for yeah, everything like, too so it's she's like she's been singing uh since extremely young and so like a, a lot of people like have this issue where um like these see young stars and they're like oh it's obtainable and then all these young people think oh you know if they can do it, I can do it too. But mm-hmm. it's or out of circumstance too. Like yeah. you had to have supportive parents, yeah. you, you know, and then you, you got to have lots of practice. It's not like she was just naturally just out of nowhere. Good. Well, there's also just like, started... you know, people who are like, I'm not to interrupt, but just like 10 or 15 years older. The opposite of mm-hmm. that is like, fuck this person. They don't deserve to be famous. They're only like 17. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yes. That mentality yeah. Too. Yeah. 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 And like for me, like I, 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 I wasn't in, piano classes and you know i mean obviously she had some privileges in her in her sense but 
that's what it takes. Yeah. And you can't get good without the practice. Yeah, you can't you know? get without the practice. And, and she's been no matter what, some Christmas. So why it's judge stupid. someone? It's like writing off Mozart. It's like yeah, right. like for me, what? it's like fuck you, kid. You had piano lessons. It's like well, he was supernaturally good at piano <laughs> at an extremely young age, though. Like I don't know. You and, know, and fun like, fact: Mozart actually did have a sister who was just as talented as him, but they did not allow her to continue practicing oh, uh, wow. once she was old know. enough to get married. Yeah. So I didn't know that. yeah, no. Some people think that she might have actually written some of his pieces. That's wow. cool. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Fun fact. Fun yeah. fact. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or it might have been Beethoven. Shit. Enough. One of the two. Sorry. Oh, my God. Google that, people. <laughs> people are gonna, the internet's going to jump on that I know. Now. Yeah. Somebody's going to jump on it. They're going to be like, it was Beethoven. Why are you trying to ruin great men? I'm so sorry. <laughs> Fun possible fact. Yeah. I know. Fun maybe yeah, fact. Right. I might be. Listen, I don't have Google in front of yeah. me, okay? I'm sorry. It's okay. We're, we're not big enough to get that kind of flack yet, so oh, <laughs> we're fuck. safe for now. We'll, we'll get it like about six months down the yeah. line. I know. Somebody will be like. like <laughs> then the red pillars will start fucking I know. Somebody's going to start Googling this, and they're going to yeah. be like, uh, no, that was actually a story by Virginia Woolf, because she did write a story about the possibility of it. But I couldn't remember if that's one of them is Mozart, one of them is Beethoven, one of them is real, one of them is a fictional story. Okay. So interesting. Yes. Uh, the Kardashians, how they got famous, they think it's out of nowhere, but the whole mastermind was from the mom. Yeah, mm. she's crazy oh, yeah, good that. at advertising, yeah. and and yeah. I mean, they, Kylie Jenner being such a the youngest female billionaire, you know, making them the top Forbes mm. form magazine, and so like. People think like, oh, Kylie Young and, and, and is doing it. I can too. But circumstance. She she had a mastermind, uh, a mother. Who also had a shit ton of money. Who had a shit ton of to money. To do all of this. She had, they had, there's all these other things, factors that are going on behind mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So like. And the other thing too is like to hate someone like that. I mean like. You should almost have sympathy for someone in that position yeah. who's that young yeah. and has that kind of money and influence yeah. and celebrity at that age. Well, like Justin Bieber. She knew. She oh, knows. God. <laughs> like, I don't even like him, she but like. The, but you have to feel bad for them at a certain point. Yeah, like the, yeah. Fa- the fact that he isn't more fucked up is amazing. Mm. You know yeah. what I mean? Because it's just like, that's insane. And then, like, this other t- idea, too. It's like, you know, if someone's rich and has money than they have. I mean, obviously, you have more options in some ways and more privilege but at the same time the but, idea that you don't have any problems and that you can't this can't be yeah. as bad you well, know I what i mean as like some of my favorite examples of those know. like you mm-hmm. see those children was like drew barrymore i mean the shit that she went through as a kid that is just like it's it's yeah. horrifying and it's terrifying and it's like how could you imagine Corey feldman and Corey Haim yeah both sexually abused by hollywood producers as children as yeah. a result of being in movies you no know? exactly i mean you've got all these people where you're just like oh god like I, I couldn't imagine trying to be a child growing up under that limelight, like growing up under that pressure you know moby got sexually abused at three as a three-year-old really oh, yeah Lord. jesus christ Damn. yeah that, I had to that's gonna happen. there was actually there was that one kid uh he was uh so he was a child actor in the 90s uh, his name was like brad renfro or something mm. he was like one of the uh alleged uh, Brian Singer like victims like oh. I guess Brian Singer had him around and called him his boyfriend and stuff according to some witnesses like some test you know some not like in court but it was like you know in those expose articles like this is what yeah. they said happened Ooh. so it's alleged but yeah no apparently he had him around referred to him as his boyfriend and by all accounts Renfro was heterosexual but he was just like sort of moving in those circles and kind of getting used by these guys and uh like like Brian Singer and some of his associates and uh, he ended up killing himself like he, oh. you know a lot of the a lot of the Brian Singer accusers, for example, like some of them died of drug overdoses or had drug problems or committed suicide. I think Brad Renfro was like, I can't remember if it was like outright suicide or if it was like a drug overdose that was like sort of like a long overdue suicide. Like he was just headed in that direction and he wanted to die kind of thing. But yeah, it's pretty fucking ugly, <laughs> you know, yeah. to say the least. I just so. wanted to clarify that I'm not saying Billie Eilish won because of circumstance. 
Clearly, oh, yeah, we were talking about that. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Rabbit trails. I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate. Um, clearly, she's naturally talented. There's this thing as natural talent mm-hmm. and hard work. Mm-hmm. Once you have talent and if you lean on it a hard, then you'll go places. It takes hard work. You don't just go there from nothing. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, so there's a lot of sacrifices that she's done as a young uh, kid to do that and she's not living an ordinary life because of it and so um, definitely props to her I mean her music's deserves to be there I think yeah and uh, on Lizzo on the other hand you know she's been in the game longer and struggled a lot and str- mm-hmm. has been struggling to get exposure and I feel like when she came out with Juice is what really kind of started that spark because mm-hmm. she was rapping she did more heavy rap uh, songs and and uh, also like her uh, was playing clarinet solos in her shows and she has a whole quirk to her a whole uniqueness. I thought it was flute solos. Flute with uh, it's, yeah. Is it flute? Yeah. She's classic yeah, clarinet in something. I can't clarinet remember. Flute. Yeah. It's, it's a flute. flute. It's a flute. Okay. okay it's okay. the one that goes on the side. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She was. Uh, she, she did that. She was in, in band. In Hustlers, by the way. <laughs> ah, oh, it was cool. a random scene in the in the back scene. Oh yeah, yeah. that's her that's her niche. <laughs> yeah, but that's kind of how she first blew up. Was like it was a meme of her just like pulling out a flute in the middle of a concert and just like going hard on it. And, <laughs> Solo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and and people were like, "Who is this chick?" But Juice had been out for a little while, and uh-huh. there was actually kind of a Tumblr movement with it, where a bunch of people were like, "This woman isn't blowing up because she's a large black woman. That mm-hmm. is the only reason that's that's holding her back. People don't want to advertise her. People don't want to market her." And I remember it having like a million uh, reblogs on Tumblr and being like, who is this chick? And like listening to it and being like, holy shit, this is amazing. And it was like six more months before she started blowing up on mm-hmm. the radio. So I feel like a lot of that was an organic movement online of people being like, no, we need Lizzo to be heard. She's not being heard because of who she is. And and there could Absolutely. be a lot of truth to that. I mean, there's a, a, a lot of talent, mm. a lot of talent from yeah. her. And she's, like i guess you can say she premiered later on in her career but it happened yeah and you know what i mean she deserves to be there and and to uh some you know some critics say otherwise that what she's preaching is is like you know an unhealthy body thing but i think accepting your body is uh is a very uh uh as well a lot of people suffer in and it's good for them to know that you love yourself but even she proclaims like she's not necessarily doing it because of that she's Mm -hmm. just doing it because she's that's who she is it's interesting though that they uh michelle wolf mentioned this and i thought it was like a really interesting point the fact that uh her body isn't really accepted on its own terms but the fact that it has to be sexualized in order to be accepted yeah you know what i mean like yeah yeah like the fact that it has to be like sexy it can't just sort of be Okay. Right. what it, it is you know it what just, I mean yeah. and that's, that's a really you know, interesting point I, I have a really yeah who who was the one that was talking about, I forgot this this another I guess celebrity commentator that that she shouldn't be doing that is it Jillian Michaels maybe? is it Jillian Michaels yeah. yeah. there's a few there was a few there was a, yeah. it was a few people a few. That was on the radio like it was yeah. it was a it was a trend and um, I feel like like if she's happy with herself yeah. and she's making other people accept themselves and and happy for themselves that's a positive yeah. approach mm. yeah and this this she's not promoting oh eat hamburgers eat this no no yeah. she's just saying she's promoting yourself. love yeah and yeah and it's, it's like you got rappers talking about 
shooting people and doing coke. That's a good point. But yeah. Well, yeah. I, that's kind of like the angle I really want to get. Drugs, so big, yeah, big doing big, all these. Notorious B.I.G. was famous, you know, twenty yeah, yeah. twenty five years ago, yeah. and yeah. had the exact same sort of. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he was a bigger guy, but it was fine because he was a man. Yes. and he was talking about shooting and well, actively most, harming other most, people. Most of those people yeah. who are yeah. talking about drugs and, and 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 all that, and you know, doing lean, all those modern trap stuff. I'm not even talking about gangster rap. I'm talking about like sort of Gucci the, gang. Uh, I'm talking about that modern trap stuff where like yeah it's been on lane and mm-hmm. like that shit's unhealthy yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. no that's absolutely and that's, I mean, that's I, absolutely I, right yeah. I actually really admire and that's kind of like why I was kind of excited to go with this whole thing Nirvana I hate myself and I want to die was this Literally. trend that's going on <laughs> right? is that uh, it really is much more about self love and a truly empowering mm-hmm. woman it's oh, not yeah. just yeah. like Hey, I'm sexy. Hey, I'm sexy. No, it's like it's, way yeah. more than that. It's yes, oh, yeah. it goes deeper. I think well, the, the other big thing that I really appreciate about Lizzo is there is, uh, I feel like through the, especially the onslaught of Instagram in particular really created a new level of, of body dysmorphia, not just for women, but for men as well, right? Because they're seeing all of these guys who are cut. Men don't have sexualized bodies the way that women do. Like we might be like, oh, that guy is like Magic Mike or whatever. Like we might have one of those. But even if you look at like rom-coms, it's always like a hideous dude who gets like the hot chick. Mark Ruffalo. Right. Okay, well, he's like. I mean, Mark Ruffalo's a Well, no, 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 he's really... no, 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 don't get me wrong. I'm just saying he's Mark average. Ruffalo, he's an average. Okay, you but said, no, you but said he's hideous. A, he's yeah. average. He's that's average. It. But no, okay, no, no, I'm not, but that, I'm not, but that's I'm not actually a really good point. But that's, no, but that's actually a really good point because you're right. Mark Ruffalo, he's, yeah. he's an attractive guy, but averagely attractive. And like, you can still make it as an average attractive male. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Or even kind of just like a slob in Hollywood still. Like, they'd be like, we still have roles for you. But like, yeah. as a girl, like, you still have to be, you have to be like drop dead gorgeous. You know, you have to fit mm-hmm. a certain mold. You have to be a certain thing. And, and Instagram has been an interesting thing for me because I feel like men are finally starting to understand what women go through um, with slight bits of that like body dysmorphia where they're like I have to work out I have to work out mm-hmm. I have to like I have to have pecs I have to have an ass I have to like get the quads going I have to whatever right mm-hmm. girl the number of squats that I've put in just to keep up <laughs> right <laughs> but like but and then you've got women now like their body dysmorphia is even higher because then you've got like the, you've got these women that are preaching like self-love or acceptance right but they're still in a certain you know trends they're still in a certain body type they're still in like you know they're they're thick with two c's or they're curved models or Mm, you know and it's like or then you've got the girls who are like really skinny or then you've got the girls who are like just like you never have somebody who's like kind of in between or just dumpy like those it's because it's like no women still have to have sexualized bodies Mm. so you still have to be somewhere in there men on the other hand i think are are finally starting to get a taste for that and i think that's why lizzo's self-love movement is so important because it doesn't just affect women men need to start hearing it now too i think it gets into this problem of commercialization in general uh Mm -hmm. and it comes through in social media but it's just like the way our economy is everything needs to be packaged and sold somehow so it needs a pitch even you know what i mean and we are the we are the products now that we're existing online and it's like this really i don't know it's it's the old school approach of advertisement though yeah yeah so that in itself is just an old school way of of them approaching it it's just what we grew up with is mm. what we see mm. and it's what we think we should do for them to get attention mm. yeah. yeah and you know a lot of people like uh i i watch a lot of gary v gary, and then um uh, there he was talking to a guy where he's saying um that he's trying to start his own gym and stuff but he wants to talk about health and eating right and, and when he has those videos they don't get much as attraction as when he he's doing lifts and he's flexing and he's doing all yeah. this stuff so he feels like he needs to do that to get the likes, to get the mm-hmm. attention. To get the exposure. You need like the so gimmick then he can, to draw people in. But yeah. yeah. But and then but like what Gary Vee tells him, like, yeah, you'll get those f- those fast likes and fast clicks, but those is not the ones you're gonna stay there yeah. long term. 
you want to build a a a, a, a um a uh, uh people you that actually going to be there invested in and actually believe in what you're going to do and if you get them a, a a false approach that you're just this bodybuilder guy don't you know and that's all you do then they're going to miss the and i'm i'm chopping it up i'm doing it in my own words but they're going to miss the approach of who you mm. what your essence is about and you know and something we talk about yeah. a lot here in 21st century underground that genuine being genuine that genuine, genuine elements being real yeah. because it's, again i think that's what makes lizzo work there's yes. a, there has been oh, songs throughout the past couple of decades of of uh, self-love but they always feel like it's almost more producer actually, made that's yeah. a good point that's exactly the, that's exactly made. the problem with uh russian doll actually mm-hmm. is that the yeah. gimmick that they were trying to use to sell it didn't wouldn't it, draw me into the substance of the show that might actually work for me yeah no there's so know? much substance behind it because yeah. i i wasn't expecting that with the advertising at all and i mm-hmm. i think there's I kind of a sense of like it, things have to be gimmicky when you market women mm. in particular. Yeah. We have to sexualize the package. We have to, you know, present it a certain way. We have to try to draw people in and, um, or, or there's the, the other version where if we were trying to draw women and it's suddenly the hallmark version of it where we think like women, <laughs> there's a dog. You know, yeah. There's like, it's the lifetime movie approach <laughs> and it's just like, I don't want a the fucking lifetime movie. Yeah. yeah. Like a, like yeah. a stock footage, like stock <laughs> video. And yeah. she's a career woman. He's right. a cowboy. He's going to show her how to put in hard work on the ranch. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, they fall in love <laughs> thanks right. to a wild horse. Like know, what? Right, yeah. <laughs> and a lovable beagle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's like a parrot in the background. You're yeah, like, what's right. the parrot doing? No, but I mean, it's it's so true. I feel like they always try to to advertise. There's like these these pigeonholes in advertising in general for people, mm-hmm. right? But women especially get pigeonholed into these like really soft characters. And I feel like they were kind of afraid. I feel like Netflix was kind of afraid of actually really showing that she because she is a she's a bad motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, <laughs> she is. She's amazing. I love her. I adore her. She's just like this cigarette smoking hard New Yorker. And I feel like. Like that is a character we do not see women portray ever mm. like i mean she's very much that woman who will scream at you in the middle of the night and be like no i'm gonna punch you in the face <laughs> and uh, the character from uh, the marvelous miss Maisel, the the manager yeah mm. yeah the manager is very that way like she's and 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 they made it they, they always there's always a running joke like is you're a boy yeah and they're like are you a boy or you know it's like yeah, the that. dad the dad is the only one who realizes immediately he's like no that's clearly a woman like, <laughs> <laughs> that so good and, yeah i know right because she's like no 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 dad that that she's a she's a girl and he's like yes i know i know she's a girl like he's the only person who picks it up the first yeah, time right. you know everybody else is completely show. oblivious which show. is great i love her father oh he's <laughs> i really like that guy <laughs> he, he's just amazing he was yeah. amazing in monk he's he's just yeah. an amazing actor i love mm-hmm. him Men i adore black, him. anyone yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, that was mine too. Yeah, no, I think it's just a really cool movement in music. I love seeing it. Yeah, I feel like I saw a little. I I did it took me like until actually this past year to kind of appreciate uh, Beyonce's Lemonade. Actually, I kind of oh, understood those yeah. vibes, and I was like, oh, this is why people because just hearing it by itself, like without really any context of like the lyrics or anything, I wasn't that overwhelmed by the music itself. But then yeah. when I got I dug a little bit deeper, listened to the album as an entire piece, and then like actually actually listening to the lyrics, I was like, damn. Mm. I don't know. I thought there's a lot of good mo- like pieces there of self support, like not taking people's bullshit. Another yeah. uh, instance though, where it became like a bullshit. meme, it became like a joke. Like lemonade, yeah. Beyonce's lemonade was like a joke because mm. she was so mad and so yeah. You know, yeah. She got, it, like, that was also written got off. Got cheated on, right? Yeah. But like, but again, women showing anger—that's just not something yeah. that we're we can really. Like, oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although I will say this: please don't hate me, Bayhive. But um, Solange is 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 amazing, and she's to me. Don't touch my hair. Like I think that came out kind of around the same time yeah, as Lemonade, did. and I was like. Mm. 
no, this is the song that people need to hear. Mm-hmm. This, mm-hmm. to me, it was it was a really controlled rage, actually, if you listen to the lyrics, because it's like so soft and gentle, but then you actually listen to it and you're like, Jesus, she is pissed. <laughs> <laughs> like, and it's, it's amazing. It's it's a really, I think it's a really wonderful representation of, of women, especially women of color. And I, you know, that's not to discount Lemonade because it's a beautiful song, but I feel like mm-hmm. that was a, I feel like Don't Touch My Hair was one of those songs that should have gotten more attention mm-hmm. than it did. Solange in general should be getting more attention yeah. than, than she does. I think she's a a true artist and she's really interesting to watch. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I liked The Farewell a lot, actually. Yeah. I just saw that sounds right. like yeah. actually just watched that. I really couldn't believe that that didn't get a nomination. Um, it was really good. That was really surprising. But yeah, no, it was an excellent movie. Um, it was mostly, I mean, I, I always appreciate the fact when something comes out and makes a big splash that's mostly in subtitles because for whatever reason... And I guess I heard Martin Scorsese talking about it a little while ago. He said that apparently there was some sort of advertising push in the 60s or 70s for Hollywood uh, studios to be like, no, you don't want to watch subtitles. Like, you know what I mean? You don't want to put up with that. And I don't know if that was a big part of it or if people just genuinely don't like reading them. But um, no, I I love the fact that it was very sort of cross-cultural. Like, you know, you were dealing with sort of an Americanized Chinese perspective on China going back. And I was kind of dealing with that problem of. Not, I mean, this kind of goes back to actually what we were talking about with Pape a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. but not fitting in in either culture after yes. having been yeah. transplanted from one at a young age into another one. And it was interesting. And then the, even the parents were kind of like, we're American, basically. And then you see that there's these subtle differences between uh, the Chinese characters who lived in America and then the Chinese characters who lived in Japan for a long period of time and they came back to mm-hmm. China versus the, you know, the family who grew up there. But no, I just thought it was a great movie. And it was very touching, too, because obviously I've had like, you know, family deaths that were kind of of that generation of like the grandparent mm. generation it's been the plot a little bit oh i'm sorry uh yeah no so basically uh the whole movie it kind of deals and it deals a lot with like the clash between like sort of americanized chinese values mm. and then chinese chinese values but uh basically um it's a big uh sort of almost like a family drama sort of centering on the daughter who left china when she was like six years old and doesn't really remember a lot of it Played and by she, Aquafina. Played by Aquafina. Yeah, she does great too. She's amazing she does in that role. Really yeah, she got a Golden Globe, I think, for that, which was good, even though yeah. they were snubbed from the Oscars for some reason. But um, yeah, you know, very well directed. Um, so she's in America, and she talks to her grandma on the phone still, and she's in contact with her relatives from China. And then you know her parents uh, her, are having some sort of problem. She's trying to figure out what it is. Turns out her grandma has been diagnosed with what stage four lung cancer. Yes. Mm-hmm. And no one's telling her because they don't want to sort of ruin the mood. So the entire family around her knows. But she doesn't know because they don't want to, like, destroy the time that she has left. So they're kind of supporting the weight of this, but they're all lying to her. Yeah, so the like doctor says it's pretty much a guaranteed, like, yeah. she's going to die from this. And so it's they're all the, the mentality is, why would we put that on her yeah. just so she can suffer for three months and then die? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she, you know, and, and so she's dealing with this. And uh Basically, and they don't even want to bring Aquafina's character first because, like, you'll, they'll give it away immediately. She's incredibly she's emotional. So, she's so Americanized that she can't hide her emotion like someone raised in China might be able to in mm-hmm. the traditional Chinese system and uh, uh, family system. And then so she, her entire family ends up going over there, and they say it's the ruses that the, the cousin from Japan who's been dating his Japanese girlfriend for, like, four months is going to get married to her. And so they're throwing like basically a like a fake, fa- a wedding. fake wedding. They throw oh, entire sure. to, fake to wedding. give her a farewell party for because she they think she's gonna die in three months. And Aquafina end up going over independently and meeting them there. And they're like, oh fuck, what are you doing here? And uh, the entire movie is about them dancing around this lie and her having these really tender, really beautiful moments with her grandma. Mm. And it's a great movie, and I just love it because it's just so. I don't know. Compared to the kind of stuff that comes out now, it has such a subtle but very powerful and emotional touch. You know what yeah. I mean? It doesn't need to cram things into your face just great character work great 
writing. It just the whole thing feels very lovingly made, and I just mm. feel like the a reason for that is it's based on her actual story. Like it's like right, it, very autobiographical for the director. Yes. I think some right. of her family members were even in it. Oh, wow. And it's just it's just interesting. You yeah, know actually, I mean? uh, uh, May May's sister is the real. Oh, it is. Okay, yeah, I thought I heard something about that. Was it back when this came out? I heard an interview with her, mm. and uh, yeah, but it's I don't know. It's just great. It's just a great movie, and um, I don't know. Really sad, and it's just I don't know. It's just interesting watching the two cultures kind of dance with each other and then never fully reconciling. I don't know. It's just this conflict that never really resolves itself necessarily because it can't because it's just there's just too much. I don't know, just too much weight to it, and uh, it's just this character caught in the middle of it, trying to deal with it and trying to say goodbye to her grandma without being able to say goodbye, mm. literally, and just sort of appreciating the time that she has with her. And should I spoil the no, thing no, after no, the, no. because there is actually a really interesting follow up. No, I want to get this point. Okay. Yeah. Well, hold yeah. on. Uh, well, I want to say that the uh, what's cool is that even the movie starts off with. Uh, Again, the whole movie's about this big lie, and literally the movie starts off, and immediately the dialogue, there's about three or four lies said immediately, because Aquafina's on the phone with her, uh, her maymay, her grandmother, and like right there and then, she lies about how well she's doing, she's having a hard time, and she lies about someone she runs in the street, and it's like, oh, that was just a friend, that was just a friend, and then maymay lies about being at the hospital, getting like tests done and everything like that, and I don't know. That sense she said she's at home. Yeah. yeah that's sen- like that immediate sense of trying to make it everything appear like it's okay. And they literally yeah. say at one point, too, uh, you know, like the father, uh, Aquafina's father, who's also living in America, too. They're in China. And like what we're doing would actually be illegal if we were in America. Mm-hmm. We would not have the option to not tell her that she's dying. And, and there's one scene, too, where the uh, uh, the father's brother, uh, the other son who lived in Japan, is on the stage giving a speech. And it's supposed to be. Uh, he's like thanking his mother uh, for the son's wedding and he just starts crying and freaking out and like the mom has no idea like why he's so emotional (laughs) yeah and it's just like yeah and it's like just really good there's just a lot of like really great moments like I don't know. The thing that I really liked is like you hear like accent differences depending on where the person mm-hmm. that was cool. that was lives. Good yeah, and then like just little cultural differences. Wow. So there's one scene where they're at a uh, um, the grave of uh, the grandma's husband who's passed away from I think from cancer. Too. Actual gravestone too. From, yeah. Of, oh, so of, his of actual. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and they're uh, at the gravestone and uh, they keep saying you know like you know asking him for his blessing for different things and then bowing each time and the Japanese girlfriend of the the cousin is sort of in the foreground looking confused because she doesn't understand what anyone is saying and she's just kind of going along with everything and this is it's really good yeah so I, I thought it was a oh, great movie so it's just a great just tender but like very realistic depiction of like a I don't know a family going through something and just good who was the director uh, uh, Lulu, Lulu Wang, Wang. Yeah. oh okay yeah Lulu Wang Lulu Wang let's yeah. check that out yeah, it's um, definitely in my like top five for the past year. And I think specifically yeah. for direction, uh, what I just really admired the most was, was it was these family dynamics. I don't think I've seen family dynamics done that well. I haven't watched Marriage Story. I know it's got a good um, man and wife uh, dynamics going on, but as far as a whole family, cousins and aunts and uncles kind of all together in the same room, I thought the dynamic dynamics just worked really well. They were all playing off each other very well. It felt very natural, very real the whole time. They were getting, they were able to get. She was able to get across these. Uh, all these subtle nuances very well and like people's hurt feelings and background tensions and where they grew up and how they um, diverted as, um, as they grew up. It was just, I thought that direction portion of it was specifically incredibly well done. Mm. And then one last note, cinematography. Cinematography was beautiful. It was I beautiful. love some of the shots in this movie. It was just like so well framed and it was so patiently directed to everything about it was very patient there was a lot of like little pieces of symbolism that recur throughout the movie mm-hmm. that they don't 
draw too much attention to, but it's there. It just I don't know. It had just such a gentle touch to it that I really loved. Yeah, it was know? just really nice. The uh, they play a lot of wides. That's and then they're all these really gorgeous wides, and then they have like a, they play a lot of foreground and background, like a lot of chaos in the background, which happens a lot in family. While there's all this stuff going around, they could have a one like. The uh, the girl and her grandma could be having a really sweet conversation. While amidst that is all this crazy stuff going on, and they do that multiple yeah. times. Yeah, they did. There was a couple like I don't know. I don't know if Lulu Wang was inspired by Ozu, the uh, Japanese director from like the twenties, thirties, forties. But mm. it, there was definitely some framing and stuff that was. It reminded me of some of his work. Like mm. it wasn't quite like that where it was as drawn out. There's another director who did this movie called Still Walking, who's a lot more similar to Ozu. But like it just looked like there were little touches that kind of yeah. reminded me of him a bit. So. Just yeah, shockingly well done, very well made. Mm. Every element was given a lot of love. Highly recommend. Definitely could have easily won awards on multiple levels. Mm. Um, but you know, she's she's got a lot of things that that are going up against her, and when it comes to mm-hmm. winning awards, same thing with Aquafina. You know, I mean, when you've got a woman of color telling a story about women of color, it it has all these layers that it has to go through first. And, and the sad, honest truth is, you know, when we see things at the Oscars, I know there are people who are like, oh, they got snubbed, and that's so surprising. It's not. It's not a surprise to any woman, especially women of color. We don't expect mm-hmm. to win. We don't expect to make it. And, and usually when we do, then we go through imposter syndrome. I can't believe I made it. I can't believe mm-hmm. I did this. Somebody else deserved this. Because it's been told to us from such a young age, you're not going to make it. You're not going to do it. You're not going to really amount mm-hmm. to anything in a man's world. You know, so even if you break through and you're like, no, I'm going to be in a man's world, and I'm I'm going to do this and I'm going to tell this story and it's going to be beautiful and you're going to fucking like it. You, there's still a part of you that's like, will they though? Yeah. Will it actually be appreciated? So I don't think any woman tells that story and then thinks, oh, I'm going to make it. I'm going to get these um, Oscars. I'm going to get these Golden Globes. I'm going to get people to really recognize me because they have to break through so many barriers to mm. get it told, you know, especially because she isn't just telling a story about a woman of color, but she's telling a, a post-colonial perspective almost in that sense because there's so many people from so many different areas that are still have kind of that same home culture but it's that back and forth between all these other cultures how they play together how you get raised in that and that's a really hard uh, pill to swallow for a lot of americans yeah you know it's it's something that you don't have to think about usually you don't mm-hmm. have to think about that back and forth between because as americans you're like oh well, she's chinese well no she's chinese american there's a very big difference including in china it's it's uh, you know in in south korea when you see a south korean who's from america they have a term for them they call them gyopos and they call them that almost tauntingly in a sense because they're like you're not korean and oh yeah yeah, that's hardcore. In, yeah. Uh, yeah, especially in like Japan, apparently. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. no, in, in a lot of East Asian culture, it is a very serious thing. They're like, no, you're American. But then in America, they're like, oh, you're Japanese, right? Mm-hmm. You're you're Chinese, <laughs> you're Korean. You yeah. So there's a lot of that that uh, that you have to play with, that you have to tell. And, and I feel like Americans, um, not all of them, obviously, but I feel like a lot of Americans, usually by happenstance, they're just ignorant about it because a, a lot of Americans don't live in big cities where they get to meet these people and they get to meet those other cultures. And that's why movies like The Farewell are so important so they can mm-hmm. understand maybe they haven't met a Chinese American maybe they haven't met somebody who's had these real experiences and so movies like that give us that empathetic view at the same time because they're giving us that empathetic view and that new view males in the Oscars aren't necessarily going to vote for it that's just mm-hmm. the honest truth it's mm-hmm. one of those things where it has to break through so many barriers that I don't think we're going to see something like that really winning awards in the Oscars anytime soon and shoot I'm, I wouldn't be surprised that most of the voters they Saw like they saw for a few for me. It's like looked at the subtitles. And you're like, yeah, oh, I'm good. No, yeah. I really no, right? appreciate yeah. that she had the balls. The fact that Parasite got 
that nom was yeah. really yeah. impressive. To I really me, appreciate by the, way. the fact that she had the balls to go forth and do that because she's a Chinese American. She could have easily just done the whole majority of it in English and maybe yeah. exclusively small pieces in Chinese. No, but she wanted to make it, and it true. empowered it so much because yeah. It, yeah. It, it, the nuance you get from their different backgrounds wouldn't have ne- been nearly as strong if right. it wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. Right. So well, and, and and if she decided not to do those subtitles, would it really have portrayed the real story of that oh, no. cultural it feeling? Really no, it wouldn't. It wouldn't have, no. Right. It would have. It would have lost it because you can't sit there and think about a Chinese family that's all of a sudden speaking English yeah. and in China like that's. What? That doesn't... Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Like, even in their own home, they're not usually going to be speaking English, you know? I mean, when Mike goes to his home, he's not speaking English. It's yeah. not... What? It's, what? <laughs> no. Excuse well, me? Right? My home, I do speak, you speak English Chinese? with you. Well, you speak English with me, but I mean, like, your family Yeah, when home. I go to my family, right. I speak Spanish. Exactly. You know, I mean, that's... Unless I go to Tucson and speak Spanglish there. Right, but, but, that's, but that's actually a really good point because I feel like that gets missed in a lot of these uh, stories where it's like a mixed culture. They tend yeah. to miss that like Spanglish, Konglish, uh, and Chonglish, mm-hmm. whatever you end up speaking. And then you my know? accent comes out. <laughs> yeah. No, that, when that's, I start speaking Spanish, my accent starts coming out. I, I think that's one of those things where, like you were saying, the accents and the farewell, mm-hmm. that has to be accurately portrayed to really oh, get yeah. that, that yeah. experience because Mike does get that thick accent when he starts speaking Spanglish and and that's a natural thing when I see my southern family I get a really thick southern accent I have never lived in the south but it is a, something that I grew up with it's mm. something that I heard a lot I so when I see them it, you know it's it, accents like that make it a better family experience that's why it's done so well that director was like no this is going to be authentic yeah she mm. killed it yeah. yeah I gotta see it because like some of those things you're talking about I highly relate to yeah, yeah. they see me as Mexican here even though I was born here so mm. I'm, tech, I'm American Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? But when I go to Mexico, they, uh, they call me a gringo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so, like, when am I? But yeah. I'm yeah. a self proclaimed Chicano, which is first generation Mexican well, and, American. And that's why that term even got coined. Yes. Right? The mm-hmm. Brown Berets created the Chicano term because they were like, no, we're really, we're not. Mexican, we're not American, we are Chicano, we it's are something awesome else. Movement. Yeah, it, is. it really is. The, it's such a cool movement. Yeah. The, the Brown Berets did a really wonderful job, and I feel like that's something that a lot of people don't You know don't how I actually about. learned about that? We should was, do a uh, film about it, was, uh, I actually did a documentary on it um, for the Arizona. Um, I did a, a documentary oh, yeah. on Chicanos por la Causa, mm. and uh, they were obviously heavily involved with that um, from the um, the get-go. And damn, it was just, it was just a cool documentary to do. Yeah. Actually, That's actually PBS, when is everybody. it going to be posted? Uh, well, well, it has been. Yeah. Um, they have aired it. I think once or maybe twice now. Okay. I think you can find it online on Arizona PBS. Mm. Um, I'm not sure though, so I'm not promising anything. But. Okay. <laughs> yeah. If we do find it, we'll link it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I'll link it. Chicanos por la causa. Great documentary. Awesome. Nice. Yeah, I learned about that through Hunter S. Thompson. <laughs> I'm not oh, even yeah. kidding. Because his lawyer, uh, Dr. Gonzo, in, Hunter, in uh, Fear and Loathing, Las Vegas, uh, was uh, Oscar Acosta, who was a lawyer mm. for Chicano rights. Yeah, <laughs> and, like that was a bit. So I just kind of like investigated it after I read mm. Fear and Loathing, Las Vegas. I was interested, so it was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just little connections like that will kind of draw you. You know, mm-hmm. just that's all know, just, just expressing. You know, yeah, a, a realistic amount of diversity will kind of introduce you to things you know know, i think that's actually one of the important things about having um female directors and female writers is i feel like they are more attuned to diversity they're more attuned to intersectionality they're more attuned to that sense of otherness so whenever you're talking about in in a literature perspective um feminist theory uh post-colonial theory or lgbtq plus uh theory or lens when you're when you're reading something when you're critiquing literature they all draw on the otherness that sense of being the other in a group and i think 
what's really interesting about millennials is I think a lot of us have that sense of otherness um, and mostly because we do have a lot more mixed backgrounds we do have those people who come from families of immigrants and you know are immigrants and so I, I think that that exposure of otherness is going to continue increasing mm-hmm. in the media but it's definitely going to be harder for it to break through but the the people actually watching it are going to start demanding more and more of that that otherness that sense of otherness and I think female directors tend to execute that really really well that's not to say that uh, male directors and male screenwriters can't portray it because there are some really fantastic cases but I think there's a softness that women tend to have that like emotional impact Mm -hmm. um, that they really portray well because when we're talking about those stories they are so emotional they are something where it's so unique and so raw and I feel there's a sense of rawness that that gentle touch yeah you know as a director yeah that movie uh the one in Cambodia uh was it Cambodia yeah she's Madagascar uh well she's got a few that she's done quite a few international ones but there was one in in, uh Cambodia that she filmed Mm. a couple god four or five years ago now I cannot remember the name Mm. of it but really well told 100 I think it's almost entirely in subtitles um and and she did that because she wanted to really reflect her Cambodian son's heritage and culture and so she she plays it really well there's a lot of children involved in it who were genuine like they're going through this and it's uh, a real landmine actually went off in the middle of filming it Mm. there's a lot of really unique and interesting pieces to it but uh, she has a really interesting perspective because she was a white woman who was coming into this who has a Cambodian son she wanted to be so respectful to it and there was actually a moment where because there are landmines in the country and like I said you know they they kind of went off um, at one point in the filming they had to blow up a house in one of the scenes mm-hmm. and in blowing up the house they accidentally blew up a tree Wow! Um, in the background and the children started screaming and crying partially because of the sound and they thought there was a landmine that went off but also because the tree fell they are all Buddhist children they believe that there's spirits uh, that resided in this tree and so she immediately she had all this incense and things like that that she brought with she immediately started praying with all the children making sure that it wasn't just on set that she was taking care of them culturally she also studied that culture to take care of those children off set too so they all broke out the incense they prayed for that spirit you know she made sure she was like we can't do another take yeah, she we shut can't. down the whole studio. Yeah. She was like, oh, yeah. Because yeah. she was like, no, everybody had to stop and pray with the kids. Every, the, everybody was lighting incense. And she also said, we're not taking another shot, even though they Sorry. needed one um, of that. They're like, we can't do that to the children. We yeah. can't We can't do that to the locals who aren't a part of the filming either. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We just have to take what we've got and use it. That's really awesome. That's impressive, yeah. actually. Agreed. I think uh, that's all I got, though. Yeah, no, I think, yeah. Yeah, I think I'm pretty much good. Um, any, yeah. last, any last shout outs? Um, no. There's some yeah. other movies I watched. At least my mind is going blank at the moment. There's a lot of movies that I didn't <laughs> yeah. want, I wanted to see that I ever got a chance to, but hey, you yeah. know, I guess yeah. that's how it is. That's okay. true. Yeah. All right, so guys, thank you for uh, tuning in this week to our episode, and uh, next week we'll actually be back with a couple of filmmakers. Yes, we have a couple yeah. of filmmakers coming in. They're they have a sh- uh, feature film feature film being shown at the Sona, Sedona International Film Festival. So we're actually going to have them come here, talk to us about the film, and nice. get some insight on that. So I'm really excited the, about that. At the end of the month, where will we be? We will right? actually be going to the Sedona International Ooh, Film Festival podcasting. and be doing uh, some interviewing and podcasting there, too. Yes, so we will. Very exciting. Definitely stay tuned. Uh, a lot of big stuff coming up. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, yeah, that's pretty yeah. much it. And uh, as always, uh, you know, follow us at our respective Instagram handles and follow our podcast at uh, 21st Century Underground on Instagram and the 21st Century Podcast uh, Underground Podcast on Facebook. And uh, that is it for this week. Thank you. Whoa, whoa.
Yeah. And thank you for being here, by the oh, way. Oh, thanks Danielle. for having yes. me on. Thank special you so thanks to our yeah. guests. Special thanks. Yeah. Do you yeah. have, I, know, I know you're not necessarily the biggest social media person, but what's no. your handle? Uh, do not go follow me on social media. I don't go on it. I'm sorry. I'm... <laughs> I tried, guys. Right. I, I know. Cool. <laughs> I, slip it. I knew, like, I was kind of yeah. expecting that, but I was like, I'm going to slip it in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, if you really want to, you can't. I, I don't even remember my handle. I think it's <laughs> my, Danny Lyle. I know. I think it's Danny. Listen, I only have an Instagram because Mike told me to get one because he was sick and tired of not being able to send me memes. <laughs> Alrighty, well, thank you, for, thank you for being here. <laughs> thank you for being here. Thank you for On being on the show. Thank you for uh, uh, being our woman representative yeah. here. Yeah, I'm a, telling you, this, this whole thing would have fucking in a garage full of torpedoes. <laughs> yeah, without without your torpedoed, which is really, I feel like that's got like a phallic well, shape. Yeah, it does. I, I was about to say the, that's kind of phallic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we so would have very gone, accurate. Yeah, we would have just gone straight nosedive. Yeah, uh, dicks in the dirt. Really. Yeah, just um, dicks just, in the dirt. Is that a term that people use? About a about a I feel sort like of. That, a that sounds, I think, that I think sounds like a all right a southern a southern shit like yeah. dicks in the dirt yeah. like that's yeah. I think right now we are dicks in the dirt and we need to yeah. wrap this we up. are that, that is what we are okay cool so we've been dicks in the dirt uh, and 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 woman and uh, we'll we'll see you guys later <laughs> thanks. <laughs>